today on Locked on Ducks, a couple of tough losses and some major injuries to go around. All of this on today's Locked on Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, hockey fans. This is Jason J.D. Hernandez on this Thursday, joining you from sunny Southern California. And it's been a rough go of it the last couple of days here in Ducksland as they've lost a couple of tough road games. But before we get into all that, I want to remind you that you can listen to this podcast or any of the shows via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And check out this show on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. And I've posted some hockey stuff. I also posted some food stuff on a recent trip to San Diego to check out the San Diego Goals. Talked about that yesterday on Locked on Goals. And as a reminder, there will be no show next Wednesday. What I will do is probably cover the goals on Thursday. So there's that. As for the last couple of Ducks games, it has not been pretty for Ducks fans. And it got even worse with some horrible injury news. But we'll begin on Tuesday night's game as the Ducks traveled to Philadelphia to begin their four-game road trip. And it did not start off too well. In fact, you know, the Ducks were going in kind of shorthanded as it was. And it was about to get worse after this game. We had, you know, some some decent goaltending on both sides in the first period. It was John Gibson on net and Carter Hart for Philadelphia. And it was bigger than hockey. For this particular night, I want to get this out of the way right now. Oscar Lindblom is suffering from cancer. In fact, he has a very rare form of cancer. Uh, He was diagnosed last week with Ewing's sarcoma, which has fewer than a thousand cases per year in the USA. The survival rate is decent. However, it is still a major cancer which puts him out for the rest of the season, and we don't know what's going to happen to his career after this. He is undergoing treatment as we speak. There will be intense chemotherapy coming his way. There will be radiation coming his way. He's only 23 years old. And for Oscar Lindblom to already have Ewing's sarcoma at this young age, that is just devastating for him. So what the Flyers did before the game is they printed up a bunch of Flyers, See, Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers. Okay, not the time for the joke, but every seat had a Fighting for Oscar placard on it. You know, it was Hockey Fights Cancer last month, and it was in that same vein. What I liked was the generally touching scene that took place at Wolf's, Wells Fargo Center. You know, the fans showed their support. I loved the I, for, I Fight for Oscar placards they had there. They were an orange color instead of the lavender for cancer research, but... This was really all about him. He showed up to the arena a few hours before the game and really just inspired everybody in that locker room. The fact that Lindblom was present after that horrible, horrible cancer prognosis, you know, it speaks volumes for the team and for the man himself. You know, he's going to be going through a lot coming up in the next few days. You know, we just send our best wishes out to Oscar Lindblom, you know, fighting Ewing sarcoma and hope that he can pull through. I mean, I know people are going to say, you know, he's out for the season. You know, what's that mean for his hockey career? You know, that's secondary. Just worry about fighting cancer and surviving it and coming back stronger than ever. That would be 
first and foremost, his primary concern is just beating cancer, period. So that's where I stand on that. As for the game itself, we're going to, I guess, try to cheer things up a little bit, although not too much, because the Ducks really couldn't do much to overcome just the energy of the crowd with Lindblom there. The first period, Carter Hart was playing out of his mind on this day. The Ducks outshot Philadelphia in that first period 16-12, to but there was nothing across the board for either team. Gibson looked great. Hart looked great. Not many high-danger chances. Second period began, and here's a name that you guys might already know. Claude Giroux. He got things going with the first goal of the game only a minute in to give Philly a 1-0 lead. There was another storyline to this game, aside from the Oscar Lindblom thing, and that was Andre Kasha's younger brother, David Kasha. Yeah, you guys might not know, but Andre Kasha's brother is in the National Hockey League now. He's the younger brother of Andre Kasha. And just a little bit of background on David Kasha. Um, He is only 22 years old. He played earlier this season at Lehigh Valley for the Phantoms of the American League. Uh, Kasha was selected in the fifth round of the NHL draft four years ago. And he's, again, Kasha's brother, Andre's brother. He spent this season and last season in Lehigh Valley. He had played previously for the Czech Republic U-20 team. He played professionally out there, did fairly well. Once he came to Lehigh Valley, he started to become more of a goal scorer. He had 23 points last season. He already had six points this season and was looking to improve on that, but he got called up not too long ago. And, you know, he had his first game with the Flyers uh, three games previously to that. So it was brother-on-brother action. Andre Kasha versus David Kasha. And on this day, with his brother looking on from the opposite bench, David Kasha would get his first NHL goal on assists from Frost and Sanheim. And it was David Kasha who got it in on the tip-in to make it 2-0 Flyers. So congratulations to David Kasha, by the way, on getting his first NHL goal. Good for him, good for Andre's, Andre's brother. I mean, not great for the Ducks because it's against his brother's team. Later on in that period, guess what the Ducks did yet again? They scored a power play goal, and this is a perfect power play goal. Silverberg, Lindholm, Raquel, they did it once again to cut the lead in half. It was 2-1 Flyers after that sweet power play goal. Another great tic-tac-toe play, something that the Ducks are becoming much, much better at on the game. However, also during that period... I mean, this was as bad as it gets. Troy Terry had to be assisted off the ice after a hit from Nicholas Abekubel. It was a knee-on-knee hit. Abekubel did get a knee in penalty, but Troy Terry had to be helped off the ice. His right knee buckled a little bit on the replay. And, you know, the fact that he had to be helped off the ice, that was not good news for the Ducks and I'll have more on the injury later on on this podcast. So that kind of brought the whole team down. You know, after the whole team was just excited after that power play goal, you know, they looked really good, and they were on the comeback trail. The momentum was entirely on Anaheim's side. After that injury happened, the entire team just looked deflated. When one of your more improved players has to be helped off the ice like that, that can bring a team down. And at the time, we didn't know how bad the injury would be. 
and later on during that game, Andre Kasha, he was driven into the boards and he was slow getting up and it was Niskanen who hit him. But, you know, Kasha was okay. He came back out onto the ice. But, you know, the Ducks were not the same after Kasha left for a few shifts. And then, obviously, Terry was out for the remainder of the game. So, later on in the game, it was a drop pass from Larson um, to nobody. And it sparked a two-on-one going the other way against the Ducks. And Jacob Voracek would cash in on that goal unassisted to make it 3-1 to Philadelphia in the third period. Just a bad play turning into bad luck for the Ducks, and Voracek took advantage. And with only a few seconds left in the game, Sean Couturier got the empty netter to seal the deal to give the Flyers a 4-1 victory. But the Ducks lost more than the game. They lost one of their top players in Troy Terry, and we'll have more on that later on. After the first intermission, we'll talk about yesterday's game against the somewhat new-look New Jersey Devils, or rather, I should say, The Devils minus Taylor Hall. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, and you're locked in as we talk about yesterday's game against the New Jersey Devils. Now, this was a particularly weird game because this game took place after the Taylor Hall trade. As I mentioned previously, Taylor Hall was traded from the Devils to the Arizona Coyotes. So this is the Devils minus one of their top players, and this was their first game in a few days. So there were some questions about whether this team would come to play or not if they would just lay down and fold over. Well, that didn't happen. I mean, the Devils did start off the game, you know, pretty well. They controlled play for most of the first period until Adaheim started coming forward. And only a couple minutes into the game, Jack Hughes had a chance to score, but he was stopped by the Ducks' other goaltender, Ryan Miller. Yes, Ryan Miller was on net for the Ducks against Mackenzie Blackwood of the New Jersey Devils. And the Devils, they were trying to get out and break out, but... Guess who did it to his old team? Rico, Adam, Adam Henrique. Yeah, sorry, wow. So uh, Blake Coleman, he was picked off by Cam Fowler, who then gave a one-time pass to Andre Kasha, and it was basically a two-on-none break. There was absolutely no one around, and Kasha passed it right to Adam Henrique, and that was a one-timer, perfect shot. McKenzie was completely baffled on that one. He couldn't get across. He had no chance. It was a two-on-none. So the Ducks are the first to get on the board. one nothing. And as the period kind of drew on, the Ducks dominated puck possession. They had the puck for most of the first period. The Devils really didn't get any quality shots on net. Ryan Miller looked great, but then again, there wasn't really any high-danger opportunities for the Devils on that one. In fact, um... You know, the Devils were leading in total high-danger chances, but just couldn't get anything on net that was proper. And it was really 4-1, to and the 1 being the goal. So then we get to the second period, and, you know, Andy Green, he had the puck wrapped around the boards hard, and Michael Delzato really couldn't play the puck. He went off of that puck very slowly. And then Jesper Bratt came around to get the puck free from Delzato, and he fed it to Nico Hirschire, 
between the circles and he got the puck right past Ryan Miller to tie the game up at one goal apiece. And this was kind of sloppy play on the Ducks defense. Delzato should have kept that puck in possession. He did not. He was very slow around there, which tied the game up. Later on in the period, Jesper Bratt drew a penalty from the guy that I just mentioned, Michael Delzato. So Delzato sat two for interference. And this power play went swimmingly for the New Jersey Devils. Will Butcher, he passed it to Gusev on the neutral zone on a break on a breakout, really. And he pushed it ahead to Kyle Palmieri. And he went around the stick before really having a sniper shot right above the stick side of Ryan Miller to make it 2-1 to Devils on their power play. And that's how the second period would end. The shots on goal at the time, there were not many shots on goal. In fact, both teams were playing very slowly, pretty stingy to be honest. It was only 16-16 shots on goal for each team. They played pretty even as far as chances, as far as shots. It was a very stingy game as I saw from one post. You know, the Devils, they did a very good job of trying to neutralize as many opportunities for the Ducks as possible. The Ducks did a good job of really controlling the puck as much as possible and limiting possession for the Devils. The same thing happened in the third period. Anaheim had control for most of the third period, and they did have their fair share of high-danger shots. They just couldn't get anything in. Um, The Devils did have a power play in the first minute of the third period, but really nothing could be taken away from that power play. In fact, it was pretty it was pretty decent. And then Jack Hughes took the puck away and had the puck in the corner. And he got the pass to Sammy Votnin at the blue line. So he turned, slapped the puck on the net as the penalty clock expired. So really for the first maybe 30-40 seconds of the power play, there was absolutely nothing there. And it was only after the power play expired that Votnin got the goal in and it went stick side on Miller and that was the score three to one a minute into the third period and after that it was all ducks after that although we did have some fireworks uh Damon Severson he got really mad and he dropped the gloves with Max Comtois yeah Max Comtois the young kid and I really didn't think that Comtois was much of a fighter until I really looked back And I saw that he's been in a few fights. I know he's been in a couple fights with San Diego. So Comtois can fight, although you wouldn't know it based on this fight because Damon Severson really got the better of him on this one. But credit Comtois for going in there and trying to, you know, have blows with Severson. It just didn't go well. The only good thing about the third period for the Ducks was that they had puck possession. You know, they limited New Jersey to four shots on goal. And that was pretty much it. I mean, Ryan Getzloff had a great no-look pass to Max Jones, who had just been called up from San Diego, by the way. And there was a few call-ups that I'll talk about on the second or on the last part of this. But Max Jones, he had a great pass, but it went right into the pads of Mackenzie Blackwood. That was pretty much their best chance to, you know, cut it to within one goal, but nothing else really after that. The Devils would go on to win the game 3-1, to one on the strength of one power play goal and two other goals. The lone Ducks goal came from former New Jersey Devil Adam Henrique. But aside from that, the Ducks did have the majority of the shots. They led 11-4 in that third period. So it's 27-20 Ducks in favor as far as shots go. 
But overall, it was a slow-moving game. You know, Blackwood looks pretty good, but they've got to get better high danger chances if they're going to win against what I think is a not-so-great New Jersey Devils team. They're a lottery team. The Ducks are starting to steer that way. They're looking like a lottery team right now as the Ducks fall further and further in the standings. And after the second intermission, we've got to talk about injuries taking place. Stay locked in. As the holiday music plays once again, welcome back to Locked on Ducks. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. And this is the segment that I know Duck fans don't want to hear. This is pretty bad. The Ducks lost not one, not two, but three players this week due to injury. And I'll start from the top and I'll go right into it. On Tuesday night, I mentioned that hit that took place, that knee-on-knee hit. Troy Terry, yeah, what ended up happening was, you know, there was a penalty taken from Philly. That's fine. Some fans wanted a major penalty. Some fans wanted suspension. I don't know if it was an intentionally malicious hit. Knee-on-knee hits do happen. It was, there was a penalty there. A major could have been called there, but I don't know about a suspension. So on this injury, Troy Terry, he's going to miss at least 10 weeks after having a broken bone below his kneecap once again Troy Terry out 10 weeks with a broken bone right below his knee and this was the knee that took place on Tuesday's game once again Terry had to be helped off the ice and he had been improving recently his play has gotten a lot better he's only 22 years old he had a broken leg late last season And he missed a lot of time on that injury as well. So this is really bad luck for Troy Terry, to be honest. So for him to be out at least 10 weeks, that'll take him into, you know, we're looking at March for him coming back. That's a long time away. Troy Terry is going to miss the majority of this season. You know, if he doesn't come back until March, he might even be held out for the rest of the season, depending on how the Ducks do in the standings. So that's about the Troy Terry injury. This injury is the one that is, I think, more devastating for the Ducks. Is The Ducks announced that the Elite 1C, Derek Grant, he's going to miss four to six weeks with a sprain to his AC joint that's up in the shoulder. Luckily for him, there will be no surgery. But Derek Grant will be forced to miss more than a month And that's a major blow for the Ducks because Derek Grant has been one of the most improved players on that Ducks lineup this season. He's been excellent in the faceoff circle. He's transitioned to a more goal-scoring game. And it was beginning to show in the stats over just the past month. You know, he had the hat trick not long ago. He scored a couple of fantastic goals as of recent. He had nine goals before the injury took place. And we we really don't know how he got the injury we don't know when he got it but he was out for Wednesday's game so it must have taken place sometime around the Philly game on Tuesday because Grant was out Terry was out on Wednesday's game so again a big big blow to the Ducks as far as that one goes you know losing Derek Grant 
even though he's only scored nine goals this season, you are losing someone that has been elite in the faceoff circle and someone that had slotted in on that second power play unit. You know, Coach Dallas Eakins had begun to shuffle some of his power play uh, movements. And Derek Grant was on one of those power plays. And that went extremely well. He was part of that group that got multiple goals recently. And for Grant to be out now, that's really going to cost the Ducks. I don't know if they recover from this, to be quite honest. And finally, uh, Jacob Larson. He's day-to-day with some type of upper body injury. We don't know what exactly it is. It's unspecified. He's going to be out for the remainder of this road trip. Two day games take place on Saturday and Sunday, both in New York. One of them will be at Long Island. One will be at Anaheim. We'll talk more about that coming up on another episode of Locked on Ducks. And just a reminder, you can listen to this podcast or any of the other previous episodes on the Locked on Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And just on a closing note, I know yesterday was Locked on Goals, but I think this goes worth mentioning. Um, As I uploaded yesterday's, not long after that news went out, Max Jones and Isaac Lundstrom were called up from the Ducks. They are on, or actually they should be in New York by now. But both Max Jones and Isaac Lundstrom played against the Griffins on Tuesday night in San Diego, and then they were called up the following morning. So Jones and Lundstrom are going to join Sam Carrick, who's already going to be filling in for Derek Grant on that fourth line. And with all these injuries taking place, don't be surprised if you see Daniel Sprong up with the Ducks at some point this season. I think he's deserving. He's proven himself with the goals. He's looked fantastic in San Diego. You may as well call him up to Anaheim. So that's my final thought on that. Anyway, this show has a Twitter account. You can follow Locked on Ducks at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. Once again, that's at StimpyJD on Twitter. That's pretty much all I have to say for this episode. So with that being said, for Locked on Ducks, I'm Jason JD Hernandez saying I will see you at the rink and stay cool, Anaheim. Anaheim.